and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Sometimes in sermon preparation, and I can't explain why except by the goodness of God, when you're studying, when you're writing, when you're preparing, you have the sense that you're not just looking back on a story that happened 2,000 years ago halfway around the world, but that Jesus is actually in your midst as you're preparing to offer the word that you believe that the Holy Spirit has inspired you to give. So this morning, I invite us all into that place as I begin, that we might imagine Jesus here in our midst because we know that he is. And as you know, this is the second week of our annual stewardship campaign. In a few minutes, our chairman, Casey Abel, will address the congregation to celebrate the many blessings that God has bestowed on us over this last year. And as you also know, alongside of our stewardship campaign, we are preaching a sermon series that speaks to the broader meaning of stewardship. Because as we well know, how we handle the money that God has entrusted to us is after all a manifestation, an extension, a result in other words, of the kind of relationship that we have with God. And so last week, Father Charles talked about stewarding our relationship with God, looking at it through the lens of faith, which is a gift. God gives to each of us this gift called faith. And in giving us this gift, he's telling us to trust him to trust him to supply what we need to live according to his most gracious will. Today, as Father Charles also said, I will be addressing how we steward our relationship with other people, with one another in the body of Christ, with others who are not in the body of Christ, because what I want to talk about is how all people at all times and in all places And when I say all people, I mean all. Everyone is created in the image of God. And so the question is simply, how do we love one another? How do we love one another in ways that dignify our intrinsic worth? Our intrinsic worth in the sight of God. This, too, of course, is a result of the kind of relationship that we have with God. So I want to address that question by asking some other questions. What is it? What is it that would make you shout for joy at the top of your lungs? And I'm not talking about football. I promise I'm not. What might make you fall flat on your face in front of someone? Was it when she said yes? Was it when a child was born? Was it when someone rescued you from a dire or desperate situation? What if someone healed you? What if someone brought you back from the pit of despair? In today's gospel, Jesus encounters 10 people who had leprosy. 
a disease that caused them to be outcasts from the mainstream of society. Yet, at the same time, it strangely caused them to come together and form their own isolated community. And for this reason, because of this disease of leprosy, when they approached Jesus, they kept their distance from him. And that alone was an ever-present reminder of their embarrassment and their shame and their humiliation to themselves, to others, to us, and to the very incarnate Son of God who stood right there before them. And standing at a distance from him, they cried out in desperation, Master, have mercy on us. A cry made by so many who had heard of his miraculous works at that point in time, who wanted to be healed, who wanted to be restored, and wouldn't you? Wouldn't you if you were forced to live in such shameful isolation? And hearing their cry, Jesus did what Jesus does. He showed mercy. And then commanding them to obey the laws of the Old Testament, he tells them to go back to the priest who would examine them. The job of the priest was to inspect them, to determine whether or not they were fit to return to society. That was the requirement of the Levitical law, and it was meant for the benefit of the whole. Yet as they went on their way, the healing happened. In symbolic fashion and in significant fashion, before they reached the priest of the old covenant, the great high priest of the new covenant had made them well. So let's make sure we capture the point. By his healing hand, Jesus was turning these lepers away from the old covenant and turning them toward a relationship with himself, the God of love and the God of mercy. But then as we see in the story, this great irony occurs. For it was not the nine Jews who returned to give God thanks, but the one Samaritan, the one who was, if you will, a double outcast, the one who was isolated because of his leprosy, and on top of that, he was hated by the Jews because he was a Samaritan, a half-breed they were called. How curious it is that the bondage of leprosy brought these nine Jews and one Samaritan together. How interesting it is that their bond of healing did not have the same kind of effect. And what a powerful picture this is of us in our sinful condition. How quick we are to bind ourselves together by our guilt, our shame, and our embarrassment and create these isolated communities that keep us together in the darkest places of our humiliation. Yet how difficult it seems to be for humanity to unite ourselves under the banner of Jesus Christ who loves us and shows us his healing mercy in our lives. For as we are told, only the one hated Samaritan returned. And how did he return? He praised God when he came back to him. And he fell on Jesus' 
feet, at its fell on his face at Jesus' feet to give him thanks. And the nine Jews who were healed, they were simply nowhere to be found. And my friends, if we're asking ourselves, how can this be? We're in good company. For Jesus himself said, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And of course, Jesus knew the answer to that question. The answer was in their attitude. The answer was in their attitude. Which, of course, leaves us to ask ourselves the same question, what is our attitude toward God? One way or another, all of humanity, all of humanity loves the benefits and the blessings of God. The beauty of creation that we see all around us, our very lives, our families, our friends, and yes, our finances. But the real question before us today in the gospel is this. Do we love the God who gives us his blessings? Do we pursue the one who gives us all of these things even more than we pursue the things that he gives us? And the only way, my friends, the only way for anyone to answer that question is to look upon Jesus himself. And that's why I want us to think of this sermon as if he were standing in the room with us right here this morning. Because it's worth noting It's worth noting that as Jesus performs this miracle, he is on his way to Jerusalem. This is the place, as you know, where the Son of God will be whipped and beaten and mocked and spit upon and finally crucified on a cross. The very Son of God. Think of that. And yet at the same time, by his mercy, this is the very place where the Father will lay upon him, as Scripture says, the iniquity of us all. And as the prophet Isaiah declares, by his stripes, by his stripes we are healed. So here's the good news, my friend. If you see Jesus in this room this morning, standing before you in some place in your mind, here's the good news. If we are willing to confess that we did that to him, because that's the story, that we in our sinful state wanted the benefits of God while rejecting the God who gives us his blessings and... And if we're willing to acknowledge that yet Jesus did that for us if we're willing to recognize that in his merits and in his mercies, he neither counts our sins against us, nor does he consign us to an eternal death apart from him, if we are willing to accept those two truths, then we will see his love and his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness in the power of his resurrection poured out in our own very lives. And then, my friends, we, like the Samaritan, surely will return to give him thanks. Crying out to him with shouts of praise and falling on our faces at his feet to give us thanks. And when we do this, my brothers and sisters, 
When we who call ourselves Christians do these things, then we will know how to be good stewards of the relationships we have with anyone and everyone, whether they are inside these walls or outside of them. For it is in knowing that Jesus died for you. It is in knowing that Jesus forgives you. It is in knowing that Jesus wants to free you and that he did that because he loves you and he wants to be with you forever that we are able to understand what it means to have this precious thing we call stewardship in our relationship with anyone and everyone that God puts in our midst any and every single day of our lives. And my hope, fellow Christians, is that as we do that in unity, others will join us. As we praise God, as we fall at his feet because of his merits and mercies, the world will see us and they will rejoice with us. And the stewardship of relationship will happen in supernatural and glorious ways that we cannot even begin to imagine unless and until we do those things that I know we want to do because that's exactly why we're here.